At Delta, we know Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. How about this? Russell Okung, who was a multiple-time Pro Bowl or Super Bowl champion, we've seen this before with multiple offensive linemen. When they're done playing, they shed that weight. And kudos to Russell Okung. That I mean, is crazy. He is downright skinny now. Oh he's 6'5". So I figure he's about, what would you say, he's about 220? Would, about your weight right I, now? I, I maybe would, even skinnier. I, I, don't, he, I feel like he's skinnier than that. I don't know. I mean, I'm about, I'm 232, 230 right in there. And I, that doesn't look like, that looks skinnier than that. But I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe it's wrong. He's a, He has still got some big I, I'd go over under 220. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's I'd go safe. over under 220. But that's amazing. Yeah, he's got and see, we're seeing him from the side. I think he's got he's still got a wide frame. Exactly but right. From the side, man, there's nothing there. That, that's one of the all-time quick transformations I've seen right there. I mean, we saw like Joe Thomas, right? He he did a pretty good job, and man, he shredded and and cut up. Uh, but he was never like a real big sloppyish offensive tackle. Russell Okun, I don't want to say that about him either. He wasn't sloppyish. I mean, gosh, he was awesome football player. But he's, you know, you saw in that picture there, there was a little midsection. I mean, this is like only two years of not playing football. That's an incredible 110, 120-pound difference of a man compared to where he's playing. Wow, I mean, good for him. Way to go. It really, though, is unhealthy for guys to carry that weight around, and it's great to see when they're done. Yeah that more and more of them are finding a way to drop it. Matt Burke, Jordan Gross. There are a couple of others that I'm probably – Alan Fanica is a guy that I think was like running marathons by the time it was all said and done. So a lot of these guys, to the point where you can't recognize them at all, they get to the point where there's just – there's just – they're normal. They don't look normal. They're they're built like normal human beings that you see walking around the street. They're just taller and larger framed than everyone else, but right. they're not carrying all that extra weight. That's so, right, yeah. Uh, kudos to Russell It's Oak work Boone. for it's some of those guys, Mike. Other former players. Like, some of those guys, it's work, like, to be that big. Some of them can do it easy, and they just eat, and they lift weights, and they get big. But, man, there's, there's a certain group out there that, you know, they're like, 
they're trying to, oh, I got to. I gotta I gotta shove in one more hamburger here at lunch, so I stay at three oh five and I'm strong enough here to, you know, block Aaron Donald the next time he crashes down on me. And that that that's exhausting for those guys. It really is. So I, I was always around a few teammates and, and players there even from my dad's age where when they get done they're just glad they don't have to always worry about trying to stay big and do that where it's it's a, a mental stress on their lives as well. I can't imagine. I can't imagine having a license to eat so much food that the stress is I need to eat more. more. Because for most of us, right. it's I need to push away from the table. I could keep going and keep going. There's a video that I saw, and I think it was the OL Masterminds group that put it together with some of the, I guess it's prospects that they're training for the draft. And they were out somewhere eating, and they were doing a weigh in before and after to see how much wow. they gained. Right via the meal and one guy gained almost 10 pounds wow after they ate this meal and one guy was exactly the same because he went to the bathroom during the meal oh my <laughs> gosh <someone> cheater <laughs> so uh anyway uh good for russell okung who finished his career by the way playing with the carolina panthers they have the first pick in the draft and the, the news continues to be framed around this concept that Bryce Young is the guy. Peter King says momentum is building in that direction. Albert Breer of SI.com had some stuff yesterday making the links even stronger between Bryce Young and the Panthers, and this still is viewed by many as a surprise because the moment the Panthers got that first overall pick, what happened? C.J. Stroud became the presumed number one choice, and as time has gone on, the pendulum has swung the other way. And it sure looks like right now Bryce Young is the guy. Unless it's all one big smokescreen, I don't know why it would be unless they want to try to persuade the Texans to do a flip-flop Jedi mind trick. We really want Bryce Young. So if you want Bryce Young, you got to make it worth our while. And we actually want C.J. Stroud. That would be the only reason to try to fool anyone. But even then, you're putting out the smoke signal so strong that if you don't get Bryce Young and he ends up being great and Stroud is a bust, you look even dumber yeah. for not just taking Bryce Young. Right, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's that. I don't. You know, I, I think that – so it's, hey, well, there's, there's, you know, obviously some real chatter and liking about the football player, which I understand, right? I mean, we, we talked about that. We do. And, you know, I, I think that ultimately, too, with, with this situation, yeah, I, I was one. I think a lot of people thought, hell, okay, Frank Reich – He's going to want a bigger type quarterback. Bryce Young, there's a lot of people that, yeah, think he's got some really special qualities. I'm not one of them that way. All right? That's where I'm I'm a little different in that, you know, in that feel for him. He scares me. But there's things he does on film that are at a very high level and he's the guy the the media darling. I think he's the the guy that for the average fan who just kind of checks in on highlights and watches a game here and there, you know, he's the one that is maybe has a little bit of the flashier or sex appealness, like appealness to him that way, Mike. So I think that's jumps on. I could see the owner jumping onto that. He's got a flair about him and the way he plays. That's cooler where CJ Stroud is a little more traditional. So I'm not shocked to, to hear this. This is a guy that's it's viewed very highly in a lot of NFL circles. The thing is, is it's polarizing, Mike. 
There, there's teams out there that, yeah, I, Carolina included, they look at it and go, damn, he's good. There's other teams that I've talked to, and they just go, damn, I'm glad I don't have to take a quarterback and I don't have to take Bryce Young. Thank God I don't have to deal with that, right? So, you know, again, there's, there's risk here because of the size of the player and whatever else there. But uh, I'm, I, I think they could like both, and the momentum or the chatter could be real, Mike. This could be one. Let me ask you this. I kind of get the feel that, yeah, it's almost like a releasing a little bit how they feel and they're gauging how the public feels about it. And let's get our fan base ready. Uh, it almost has that type of feel um, unless it's just kind of still totally up in the air and they're not sure what they want to do yet. I think that's a key, a key component of effective and productive public relations to the extent that the presumption became C.J. Stroud's the guy. You've got to get people comfortable with the fact that you're changing how yeah. you're thinking. I think that's a valid point. That's a good point. And, and, and look, anytime I see the word Tepper in any of these reports, and Breer mentioned that David Tepper and his wife Nicole spent a lot of time with Bryce Young's parents at the Pro Day workout, and there's – a cognitive test that is used to determine the processing speed when you're in that blender trying to make decisions as a quarterback as to where you're going to throw the football. It's called the S2 test. Yeah. Tepper's a big believer in that, and Bryce Young did really, really well on it. And and again, I like I don't mean this in a negative way. The guy owns the damn team. He can do whatever he wants. And we're so worried about meddling owners. Ooh, they're meddling. Hell, Jerry Jones is the GM of the freaking team. Like, the owner's allowed to have input. The owner's allowed to have say. But I think a lot of us believe, and rightfully so, that the owner isn't an expert. How are you trying to make yourself into an expert? Why are you insinuating yourself into the football operation? Why are you watching film? That you don't, you know, you're just the money person. Stay out of this. But look, Tepper's in it. So there's no way that Tepper's going to be in it and not have opinions, especially that guy. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way. David Tepper is not the guy who's going to show up and spend time and just go, eh, I don't know. He's going to have an opinion. Sure. And he's going to make his opinion known. And he's not going to say, I own the team. You work for me. You take Bryce Young. He's not going to have to. Yeah. No, that's not that's, how it works. No, I know. So they're going to know who the boss wants, and they're going to take who the boss wants because they want to keep working for the boss. Sure, sure. I mean, as long as the boss isn't totally off the rails. Like, if the boss likes a guy that's like, they're like, well, he's not going until the, like, pick 50 boss. We don't need to take him there. Yeah, but but I think generally your point is real. Yes, I, I hear you there. Now, the, the thing they got to be worried about is, you know, and this is what I worry about a little bit. I like Bryce Young, and when you watch his highlights and you study him, there's a lot of cool and stuff like that. You know, he's charismatic. He's got a million-dollar smile. He's got all the intangibles. Uh, to me, you got to worry about those. You just don't draft them because of that, right? I know so many coaches who've drafted quarterbacks because they had all these intangibles and then didn't have tangible talent on the football field. And you go, well, damn, yeah. So that's where – that's where the million-dollar question is because he's got all of that stuff. And there is, of course, he's worthy of being the first pick of the draft. But he's got plays and things to me in Alabama where I go, I don't know if he's going to be able to do this in the NFL. I don't know if this is really realistic. And then there's things, of course, that concern you about some of his physical attributes as far as just the play on the field too, let alone can he stay healthy. And that's where it's a, a really interesting discussion, decision, and all of that. And they're going to have to balance that. And, yeah, 
You know, you, you, the, right now it sounds like Bryce Young is going to be that guy at number one, and then the Houston Texans, you know, they then will get C.J. Stroud, and uh, off we go with the NFL draft. Hey, and bottom line is this. Bryce Young is 5'10 and an eighth. Yeah. He weighed in at 204, 205 right. at the scouting combine where he didn't work out, and then when he did work out, he didn't weigh in, which means that – uh, he, he was went less to the bathroom right. between between <laughs> right. the scouting combine and his pro day workout, and he's under 200. He's one of the smallest quarterbacks we will have seen. We've went through this with Tua Tagovailoa. The physics aren't in your favor. You better be able to avoid contact. You better have a plan for when you get hit. You better know how to fall. You better have the jujitsu training that Tua is now doing, and, and I think those become red flags. How do we ensure that this guy can survive physical reality of playing in the NFL. Peter King made a great point yesterday. He's going to be facing a Calais Campbell at some point, a guy who's who's 10 inches taller than him and 110 pounds heavier than him. And at Alabama, the offensive line was good enough to buy him time. At the next level, is the offensive line of your team going to be no, good enough to buy you the time you need not that to avoid these guys who right. are 100 pounds larger than right. you? No. I know. 100 pounds larger. Yeah. Yeah, those are those are real things that you got to worry about here, and that's the balance, and that's why David Tepper and his wife and everybody are there, and they're trying to you know get any inkling and every bit of information they can to make sure that this first pick is as as good as they can possibly do, and that they feel comfortable with it there. So you know, I, I, it 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 it, it just, really though is it's stressful. I couldn't to have do that it. pick. I couldn't do it. With that quarterback. I just know that. But you're right. It is stressful. It is. And especially when it's, yes, it's down to, it's two guys, and damn, they're both good. And gosh, I like a lot about both of them and everything they do there, right? You know, that that's where it does get really, really tough. It does. Uh, yeah, but just from the school of thinking and, and where I grew up and how I grew up and everything like that, I, I just would have a hard time taking a quarterback that's 5'10", 192 pounds. And, and I have to I have to just take a minute or two and and pass this along again. We've discussed it in the past, and I didn't have the article in front of me. What? But I am looking at the article that we posted July of 2016 when a certain former USFL owner was running for president, and the story that was told by Tim Rohan, who was with the MMQB.com at the time, Peter King's microsited SI. Trump was all in for Doug Flutie. He wanted Doug Flutie to be his quarterback, and Walt Michaels, who was the coach of the New Jersey Generals, wanted Randall Cunningham. Cunningham was 6'3", Flutie was 5'9". And to try to convince Trump of their position, they brought in a guy who was 6'3", and a guy who was 5'9", and said, look, this is why we want Randall Cunningham. Look at the difference between 6'3", and 5-9, and that's the one thing we can't lose sight of here. You put Bryce Young next to C.J. Stroud. You put Bryce Young next to any of these quarterback prospects. There is a physical difference that is inescapable. And, Chris, a point you've made about Kyler Murray in the past. There's a certain number of coaches that would want nothing to do with him because of his size. Bill Parcells would want nothing to do with no Kyler way, Murray right. and thus nothing to do with right. Bryce Young because right. of their size. They're too small in the eyes of some, in the eyes of many. Many yeah. are saying 
that they are too short to play quarterback. Yeah, they're just uh, some people who don't believe that. And, you know, Mike, that's, that's the, you know how my world works. I my quarterback rankings go out. I you know hear from people around the league and texts and. Yeah, there's, you know, those who go, man, I love Bryce Young and all he does, and I get it because he's slick and he's got a quick release and he's an awesome athlete and he can make people miss and he's got feel for the game, right? And then I get a text go, man, I don't, I, I could never take Bryce Young with the number one pick or I could never take him with the top five pick. So, yeah, there's that school of thinking, just like there is with any positions, you know, you go across the board. There's some teams that, oh, I would never take a receiver like that, or I'd never take a tackle like that. Everybody's got a little bit of a mold in which they were brought up in and how they believe they want to build the football team, and this one's new. This is new to the league. The league is not comfortable with this one yet. So that's why it's a very tough, big-time decision for Carolina Panthers. And ultimately, you got to have your safe harbor where you can protect yourself after you make a pick that doesn't pan out. And if you pick a short quarterback and it doesn't pan out, good luck convincing the person who's evaluating you that, well, 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 you know, yeah, he's short, but hey, look at all this long, this long list of short quarterbacks who have been wildly successful. It, it, that, that's going to be part of the knock on you for having faith in the guy sure. who, who falls into that category where plenty of people are going to say, not for me. I need a guy who's at least 6'2", uh, at least 6'2", at least 6 foot. Let's just go with that, at least 6 foot uh, instead of 5'10 and, and an eighth. All right, um, the Cardinals have an intriguing spot yeah. in the draft. We've talked about this before because to the extent that it goes quarterback, quarterback, if somebody wants that third quarterback, falls in love with him, whoever he may be, and there's different thought now. Is it Hendon Hooker? Is it is it Anthony Richardson? Is it no quarterback at all? What do the Cardinals do with that third pick? Because we, we've pretty much assumed it's going to be Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, one and two. Although, who knows? Who knows what the Texans are going to do at number two? They're not broadcasting their intentions to the world. As we get closer to the draft, expect to hear reports like this. And I think it was Shefty yesterday who said that the Cardinals have received multiple inquiries for the third overall pick. At least six teams have inquired. I mean, I would expect it's more than six. That's that, – we, we – and I understand that in this business, we need headlines and we need something on which people to click. You can't have clickbait unless there's something to click. So every year it's, oh, the team that holds the first overall pick is getting phone calls about possibly trading down. Yes, it happens every year. Yeah, it's part of what these folks do. We were saying earlier, what do the politicians do all day? Well, I can tell you what the GMs do all day. They call all their friends. They call all of the GMs. They have hypothetical conversations. They want to know what's out there they want to know what it would take they want to gauge what's there that doesn't mean they're interested in doing it but these conversations happen and the cardinals i think want that out there because they want someone to rise up and make them an offer that they'll pounce on and they'll slide out of that third spot and they'll end up with a lot more stuff because they're in the category right now chris where to become a better team they need more picks yes right you know, give them more options, right? You know, more swings, more cuts at it here to, you know, limit our chances of like, oh, we got a boom or bust pick right here. And, oh, man, I hope it works. So, yeah, that's what most teams in football want. Most teams believe in their process and they believe more times they get to, you know, crack away at taking a draft pick that it, it not only fills more holes with the more draft picks, but, yeah, it, it doesn't become all about, ooh, just one guy. And you said it right. They're sitting pretty. 
They're sitting pretty in the fact of if a team does want a quarterback and is scared of what the Colts do. And to me, the quarterback thing here, I think Hendon Hooker is worthy worthy of these picks. And I also think that uh, Anthony Richardson is. I would think, though, if there's a team going up there, it would be maybe Anthony Richardson at number three to go do that. So, yeah, there's going to be teams that gauge about gauge gauge the interest or what the value is to, to get up there. And then also, Mike, I would think there's a handful or team or two that are maybe going, wait, we need a premier defensive lineman or somebody on the defensive side, right? The kid I look at is the, the Tyree Wilson, who, who's clearly the number one edge rusher in this draft or a Jalen Carter type of guy, those could be two guys that teams look at to go, I'm going to trade up to maybe put ourselves in a spot there. But ultimately, I think that's a quarterback type of move. And I think you said the two names right. It feels like Levis is falling down. It, it just has that feel. And, and again, I'm not trying to you know make proclamations, but I, I, I just have a hard time thinking everybody doesn't see what I saw when you watch film there. There's just some questions and things that are not tip-top to say, oh, he's a top three pick. Richardson, we've discussed a lot. You know he's special. I think Hooker's damn good too, but I would think that people would call in for for Richardson at three. And I think part of the psychology that we see play out in real time in the run-up to the draft, some in the media have a higher opinion of someone, and a lot of the teams keep their mouths shut because they want some sucker out there to draft a guy that they definitely otherwise definitely. take. Because if I'm sitting at 10 and the nine teams in front of me all take players I don't want, I got the first overall pick in the draft. Oh, I got definitely. the guy I would have taken if I was sitting at number one. So, yeah, we don't really like this Levis kid, but let's keep our mouths shut about it because yeah. hopefully there's somebody else out there that screws up and takes him and listens to one of the draft experts that 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 is hyping a guy more than they should because they've yet to hear yeah. that the teams don't really like the guy. And that's, folks, this time of year, when you hear that a guy is rising or falling, the truth is the media is finally catching up to what the teams have thought all along. So when a guy's rising, that means, holy shit, these teams like this guy a lot more than I thought they did. And when a guy's falling, it's, oh, wow, you know what? We thought they were going to like this guy, but they don't, so he's falling. There's no big risers or fallers. There's just the media catching up to what the teams think. No, exactly right. You know, I mean, I, I know we're, we're going to talk about my edge rushers there, and I, we're going to have – I think we got that a little later on in the show, and there, there's some talk about that. But that's a very real prospect or a very real issue. Yeah, the teams the teams that are, like, outside the top ten or on the – they love the guys that are getting hype and all that. And, oh, yeah, oh, you know, all the highlight shows are talking about this guy. And, yeah, they're hoping, like you said, some of those guys, oh, yeah, I hope that, you know, the media hype guy goes before it's one more option for us on the table. Definitely a real possibility, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see with that pick number three with the Cardinals. You know, they do need a, you got a defensive head coach. We know they need front seven help. They don't really have a big time marquee player on their front seven. JJ Watts gone, right? They traded away Chandler Jones and uh, what's his name? Went to Denver. Zach Allen. Zach Allen, right? Am I saying that right? Right on a big contract and joined Sean Payton there. So though they got nothing there. So I would think that D line would certainly be, you know, on their radar. And like I said, the kid from Texas Tech is Miles Garrett ish, 
And then, of course, Jalen Carter, who I have not studied all the way yet. I, I don't need to study a whole lot. He's awesome just from when I watch other guys and see him. I go, who the hell is Big 88? Oh, my gosh, look at that guy. So I would think they're on the radar for the Cardinals too, Mike. And, and look, the Cardinals basically have the first pick in the draft because it's not like they're going to take one of the two quarterbacks. And if it goes quarterback, quarterback, whoever they would take at number three is who they would have taken at number one. But the question is, can they trade out of that and get more lottery tickets? That's how I think of these picks. I don't want to dehumanize the players, but to understand how this works, they're lottery tickets. Just scratch them off. The more you have, the greater the chance you're going to have a winner. It's what Jimmy Johnson said back when they laid the foundation for a team that won three Super Bowls in four years, thanks to the Herschel Walker trade, where the Vikings gave up all those picks, the Cowboys scratched enough of them off into winners, developed them. You got to coach them up. You got to turn them into good players. You don't yeah. just, you don't just, you know, add water and they become Pro Bowlers. You, you've got to work with them and 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 draw out of them the greatness right. that can be there. Right. But it's it's all numbers. Yeah. And the you look like a great drafter of talent. The more draft picks you have because you're eventually going to have guys unless you just completely screw it up yeah but you got more selection more in your development you're yeah. going to have guys that that help uh receiver has been a position that has one. become quasi running back ish in recent years that, that there are so many great ones every year jim Nagy, who's the executive director of reese's senior bowl and i think is dabbling in some media stuff now that the senior bowl's over yeah, jim doesn't really do job. anything with it until next year yeah he he says that the NFL isn't nearly as high on the wide receiver class as the media is, right. and that many teams have just one receiver with a round one grade. And I, you know, I don't know what what you 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 you've already done your receiver rankings. Right. Do you agree that there's only one guy with a round one grade? I could see that logic there. Yeah, I don't think that's a crazy statement. I could see teams having only one guy. You know, the, for me, there was really only three guys. It was three. It was the three, the top three, really. Michael Wilson has incredible injury history at number four. Jalen Hyatt was a guy where I was like, eh, maybe some team falls in love with him at the end of the first round in his speed. But ultimately, I think he's a top 10 pick of the second round in day two there. But yeah, you know, I think there's questions with the, the other two guys. I don't, I love Zay Flowers. Jigba is the only, you know, he's a great route runner. You get to see it all. He's got NFL size, you know, and strength, so he makes you feel comfortable. I love Zay Flowers, obviously. I do. You know, that I think, you know, some of the teams that don't love him, Mike, they're just going, I think it's a little more of like, wait, it's Boston College, and there's not much help, and, you know, he's sitting in one spot all game long, and he doesn't get to do a whole lot that gives him an advantage or helps him that way. But, no, I don't think that's a crazy thought. It's an underwhelming receiver class as compared to what we've seen you know over the last five or six years you know there's not a there's some good mid-round picks but you know those guys right there I think ultimately are the only guys that have a chance to really be stars in the NFL and that's rare that we've say that in this in, in this day and age I also think that we have to account for the Michael Thomas factor which is a receiver who maybe slips out of round one when he thinks he should have been a first-round pick, that lights some sort of a fire, develops some sort of a motivation, and gets the guy to be better than anybody ever thought he was going to be. And maybe that's the key. It's not about burning a first-round pick on a receiver, just like it's no longer about burning a first-round pick on a running back. You can get a guy who could maybe be developed into a great receiver in round two, in round three. I mean, just look at some of the names that are now – some of the stars of the sport. They weren't first-round picks. 
They were second round picks yeah. or later. Right. So well, yeah. Um, to your yeah, point, it, it, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, all second round picks. Right. You know. So yeah, a little chip on their shoulder, all that. So you're 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 not crazy there, Mike. And this is it's it's there's some real validity to what you're saying there for sure. And it's a different year. You know, again, even with that, if we could bring up the list again, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, right, Mike? Right, the number two guy you see there. He he hasn't been able to play football the whole year because of a hamstring injury. So how comfortable do you feel about that, right? So I would think he's off of people's boards. Quentin Johnson is a big, strong guy who only runs a few routes, so you don't get to see a ton, right? So there's all little issues across the board here, but... I think those are the three guys that are universally only talked about as far as the first-round conversation. Uh, obviously, my favorite three, but, yeah, it's not like we've seen in years past where we go, oh, man, there's like four or five guys actually that are round two that I really kind of like just as much as the ones that are getting picked in round one. That That's not the case this year. And just after uh, winning his sixth Super Bowl in New England in early 2019, Bill Belichick with the last pick in round one, took receiver Nikhil Harry with Debo Samuel, with A.J. Brown, with D.K. Metcalf on the board. Right. Oh, and by the way, the Vikings don't get a pass either. They took tight end Irv Smith with Brown and Metcalf on the board. So, uh, and, But maybe that worked out well because then the next year they took Justin Jefferson. And maybe they wouldn't have taken Justin Jefferson if they had gotten Metcalf or Brown yeah, and they'd become not. great players. Right. So I think they're better they're better off with, with JJ. Doing fine. No disrespect to DK right. or AJ. But so it just shows you that that th- th- there's no magic in being a first round pick. And for some guys some sometimes I think a guy feels like he's arrived simply by being a first round pick. Oh, there's and definitely doesn't Mike. realize 100%. that it's not the end, it's the beginning. Right. Agreed. There is definitely an element that you're bringing up here that is a very real human psychological part of the game. And, yes, the guys that are all drafted in the second, third, and fourth round, they think the NFL screwed them over. How dare they didn't think I was a first-rounder. They're all coming kind of pissed off and like, damn, you know, you guys you chose, you skipped over me once or twice, and so there's that. And then, yeah, the guy that's the first-rounder, He's feeling like, man, it's red carpet and rose petals for me. They love me. Everything I do is great. And, uh, and so there is a different, different mentality. And it can go either way. I saw it go either way in my career. I saw guys, you know, yeah, they were the man and they never really worked and nothing really ever happened. And, you know, also saw first rounders that were like, oh, yeah, the red carpet's out. All right, well, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that I'm worthy of this red carpet and that you made the right pick. So. That's where it's a, a scary, scary thing, the draft. It can go either way in, in a lot of different scenarios and situations. It's one of the big reasons they dramatically reduced the amount of money that gets paid to the guys at the top of the draft. Yeah, because that's right. those guys were untouchable. They were uncontrollable. You couldn't say <laughs> right. anything to them because you weren't going to cut them. You weren't going to bench them. The, these, are, these are the guys into whose pockets millions and millions had been stuffed. They became basically gods in the locker room before they were even suited to tie up their, their shoes and go out and, and play on the practice field. So I, I think that that, uh, that has helped, uh, but that mentality is still there. And there are too many kids that get take, uh, taken in round one and believe that, that it's over. It's not. It's just the beginning, and it can fall apart very quickly. Just look at some of the names of first-round picks that have, have disappeared quickly from the NFL. All right, let's take a break. When we return – 
We'll take a closer look at the team needs for half of the teams in the AFC North, what they can still do in free agency, what they should do in the draft to make their team more competitive. We'll look at Browns and Ravens when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. At Delta, we know Mike NHC prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. They couldn't come up with a better name than the Guardians there with, with you know, the new name change. I think that's, that's all questionable. I want to throw the challenge flag on all of it. Guardians? I mean, like, I... You know, what's it got to do with the city of Cleveland? Yes. I and love now it. we know. Now Way we to know. go, Angie. The, the baseball team <laughs> is named after iconic bridges, the guardians of traffic. You shall you know not if enter. You have to exp- Can I just say this? What? If you have to explain it, it doesn't work. Like, there are no pirates in Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh pirates sounds good. Because of the alliteration. (laughs) Unless you have an obvious connection to a city or a state for which a team is named, you need just go with alliteration. Obvious connection or alliteration. Connection that needs to be explained and still doesn't sound great even after the explanation like Guardians, get rid of it. Come up with something else. I think we agree on that. And also, get rid of Slider. Whatever that thing is. Whatever whatever that, that animal designed by someone with the lights off. Uh, where they just grabbed a bunch of different colored material and f- slapped it together and just made a big puffy thing that distracted Travis Kelsey and caused him to spike the baseball into the into the field in Cleveland. Anyway, uh, we, here we it all, is. We say all that. I will say this: I don't like slider. the mascot. That Slide makes is no sense. Distracting him. Okay, that makes no sense. The mascot. I will say I do appreciate the knowledge of the guardian. The guardian thing. I'm down with that. It made me feel a little bit better. I mean, you're right. Like, it doesn't have a great ring to it. It doesn't roll off your tongue. But I I will stand corrected. And, you know, there is a little history or something to the city there that connects it all that I do like. I do like that. Can we put that image up again? Because there is one specific piece of video that we have yet to see. See the person in the back holding up her phone? Yeah, right. I want to see that angle. (laughs) I want that angle of the Travis Kelsey throw because I have a feeling it's awesome, uh, awesomely bad. Yeah, yeah, well, yes, it it is. And look, he looks so good right here. Everything looks great. 
He looked I like when he when I saw the windup and I, I've seen Travis Kelty like throw a football and stuff. He's a natural athlete, but he was he, a quarterback in high school, exactly in Cleveland. But he just choked his ass off here, plain and simple. He choked his ass off. He started to think about this thing as he started to come forward off the mound, and he held the ball a little too long and threw that damn thing hey, right in the ground uh, five feet in front of him, which is hilarious. <laughs> let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Uh, nine years old, playing Little League Baseball. I was in right field where all the kids who suck end up, at least back in the 70s. I don't know what it is now, but I was horrible. Right. I was in right field. I wasn't any good. <laughs> I deserved to be in right field. So I'm in right field, and we're playing a game obviously uh and, and there was a wasp uh, like flitting around is that who you my, are are you my... the nerd kid that gets stung by a wasp out in the outfield that's you no no <laughs> i was trying to avoid being stung by the wasp oh, and the okay. wasp is getting closer and closer to me and i can hear it buzzing it's close enough i can hear it buzzing right. and i'm looking at that wasp the next thing i know the ball buzzes right by my head <laughs> so I, I go chugging back to the fence to get the ball and when I retrieve the ball, I wind up and I do exactly what Travis Kelsey did. Throw it right into the straight you down were, into the ground. But you were all so, flustered. So yeah. this was like, a, oh, no, the yeah. ball's coming. And and I can picture the coach. He's like, oh, it was an oh, no. Florio's it out there no. playing with the bugs again, not paying attention. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, uh, so I don't I mean, look, I don't know why they I don't I I. I don't know. I just wasn't very good. I wasn't very good. I didn't like it. Um, I would. I. I don't have the patience to stand out there and wait. Like you just have to stand out there and wait and not get distracted by anything. And you have to focus. Maybe that's why I can't make it through an hour of church anymore. I'm too wired to do things, to think about things, to to type, to write, to be active. I can't just stand there. Even when I was nine, I couldn't just stand there and pay attention to the pitcher throwing the ball to the batter and waiting for the the rare opportunity for a ball to come my way. That's why they put you in right field. Most of the kids are right-handed batters, and the ball never comes that way. So let's put him there because he'll do the minimal damage in that spot until they hit it to him, and he does maximum damage. So that was me in 1970. I guess it would have been 74, 75. All right. Well, we'll give Brings you a free pass. Not All good. Right. All right. All right. The Browns. Finally, we get to what we're supposed to be talking about. The team needs for the AFC North, half of the teams, maybe only one of the teams by the time we're done. The Browns have made some moves this offseason. They've added Dalvin Tomlinson, defensive tackle, Juan Thornhill from the Chiefs. Uh, but, look, they don't have a, a ton of cap space, not with the, the Deshaun Watson deal. And they don't have uh, many draft picks because of the Deshaun Watson deal. So what more can they do? What more do they need to do to get themselves in a position where they can be as competitive as they need to be now that Deshaun Watson has the full year to get ready to go? Yeah, well, they're they're not far off, you know, like we discussed a lot, right, Mike? I mean, their team, they've got some parts about them where you go, damn, there's a lot to like, right? We know the old line's good. I don't really look offensively to go anything's like glaring right there right now. I think it's all defense. You know, they've, they've changed what they're going to do here. Jim Schwartz is the new D coordinator. So there's two spots that jump out to me, Mike, and they're both defense related. One, pass rusher, you know, something obvious, uh, opposite of a, a Miles Garrett. I don't know if there's really a presence there right now that you can really look at. So that's like one that jumps out to me. And then the other one is linebacker. 
right? Linebacker, you know, they got uh, JOK, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. He's a smaller type of linebacker, right? But after that, you know, it's 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 guys that are, you know, solid players, but nothing special. They got Anthony Walker back on a one-year deal, right? So I, I think linebacker is probably the one I look at to go. They need something there for sure. But it's one of those two positions, Mike, at least for, for my for my money. No first-round pick or second-round pick for I the know. Browns this year. Their second-round pick recently went to the Jets for Elijah, Elijah Moore. Moore. And right. pick number 74. So they go down 32 spots, and they get Elijah Moore. So they've addressed needs there. And they're retooling the offense. And yeah. There's been some speculation about Nick Chubb's future and Kevin – Stefanski, head coach of the team, has has said that that Chubb continues to be an important part of the offense. But if you're going to get the most out of Deshaun Watson, it's not run, 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 run offense. They need guys that can catch the ball. And they have Amari Cooper, but now they've added Elijah Moore. They need weapons around uh, Watson, and, and maybe yeah. maybe this is the team that that you know looks late round for some help. Whether it's tight end who can catch passes, whether it's receiver and also you need guys who can block i mean you've already made the investment into yeah. sean watson yeah. it puts a priority on everything around him to get the most out of that player the 230 million and everything you gave up to get him yeah you're you're right it, it's hey listen a lot of what they do is going to be on him for sure right i still think nick chubb and that o-line are still they can be a, a big time focal point but yeah the pass game is going to be you know they're going to rely on that more because of all the things you said, and you look at it and you go, "Damn, there's there's some things to like there." You know, and when you talk about Elijah Moore, Donovan People Jones, who's a big, you know, strong receiver, he's good. Amari Cooper still can run routes with the best of them. You know, a speed guy in Anthony Schwartz, David Njoku, right at tight end. The O line, I think we would both agree, is top five ish. At least, definite top ten ish in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. It's top five ish, really, is the is the question. So, you know, that's where, yeah, maybe maybe something to sweeten the pot a little bit. But you know, I I feel like it's got to be defense ultimately as far as the draft is concerned, just because it's it's a different scheme. And it's a different thought there. And like you talked about before, they had Joe Woods, who was a little more Seattle scheme, and we want smaller, fast guys. And now this is Jim Schwartz. Where where did he grow up? Oh, Bill Belichick and that school of thinking? Well, that's going to be bigger people. So i got to think that transition has to happen here a little bit through the draft. What do the Ravens need when you consider what they've done? They just add Odell Beckham Jr. They need to get Lamar Jackson under contract. They've got the 22nd overall pick along with 86, 124, 157, and 199. Five total picks, fewest since 1999. What do they need more than anything else? Man, Mike, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. You look at the Ravens and you do, do you do look at their roster and you just go, damn, it's 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 good. I mean, they they've there's not like a lot of holes. Okay, maybe add to the receiver room like we've talked about over the last two days. You could maybe do that, right? I, I think the next thing I probably look at is like O line. You know, they've had injuries as far as Ronnie Stanley, Morgan Moses had to play right tackle. If you remember right, remember they picked up Jawan James' contract a few years ago when he got hurt in Denver and did that or signed him to a deal, right? Kevin Zeitler's getting up there in age at guard. I could see them going O-line for, hey, help us out now and maybe a little bit for the future there. Um, 
wide receiver is the other one that jumps out to me, Mike. But I, I look at them as a whole, and, man, there's a lot to like. They need – the other thing you look at with the Ravens is they need their two edge guys to come through. And how do they feel about them? Odafi Way, who they uh, drafted in the first round two years ago. And if you remember right, right last year, Mike, they drafted David Ojabo, who had the torn Achilles tendon out of Michigan. I mean, he's got he's a, he was a first round talent, um, but I'm just throwing stuff out there. What do you think about the Ravens? What's your thought? Well, and John Harbaugh has already said both those guys need to step they up. They got to. So the question right. is, do you count on them to step up? Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Them exactly with draft picks. Exactly. Right? Right. But you're 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 also altering this offense with Todd Munkin, and the presence of OBJ is the clearest sign yet that it may be different than it was. So. What other pieces do you need to have the offense at the point where they want it to be under Todd Munkin and how much of that? Like to the extent that OBJ is intended to lure Lamar Jackson back into the building, will using draft picks on a receiver high in the process, round one, round two, well, they gave up their second round pick to get Roquan Smith, but one of these top 100 picks they have, do you use it on a receiver as just another... You know, come on, Lamar. Let's work this out. Let's let's figure out this offense. Um, and and again, this is a team that traditionally has had a hard time convincing veteran receivers to want to play there because of the way the offense was. If the yeah. offense is really changing, this is an opportunity for some of these young guys to develop and and stay there and contribute and and not want to go elsewhere. They're going to be getting the football enough that they feel like. Number one, they're key contributors. Number two, they're going to be paid accordingly. Yeah, no, I, I, those are those are all real points. There, there's no doubt about that. You're right, and it's a different era with the new OC and what's it going to look like and what is their thought process. I will throw out one other spot. D lineman is another spot there, right? With no Calais Campbell, right? They got some young guys that are kind of unproven. Really, Justin Matabuke is really the only guy that's kind of a you know top notch player in that group right now. So I could see I, I feel like with Baltimore, they're gonna come out of the draft with somebody big on both sides of the ball. Uh it's just about how early do they address some of those situations and then yeah, do they want to add to that wide receiver room and, and give a little more talent there, not only for the quarterback, but for the offensive coordinator and just to improve the room in general. They do a good job of drafting and developing the later round picks. The guys that don't come in with a lot of sizzle, but before you know it, they become key contributors to the team and they become one of the reasons why the Ravens are always competitive. Even the years they don't make it to the playoffs, they're close and the years they make it, they make things interesting like they did against the Bengals in the wild card round last year. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, Chris's edge rusher rankings for the 2023 draft. We'll go over those next year on PFT live. All right, Chris Sims puts together his rankings at every position in advance of the draft, although I don't think you do it for kickers and punters. Shame no, on you. But you no. do it for edge rushers. You do it for edge rushers, and you've got your tiers. You've got your top five. You made some some noise yesterday because one of the guys that everybody has at the top, you've got at the bottom of your top five. We'll get to that. Let's start with the top, though. Tyree Wilson, your only tier one guy, Texas Tech, uh, 
Tell me what what made you put him there, Mike. This is like I mean I have a line in my thing like no brainer, duh. Like this is this is not really like a discussion. I mean, do you like some of the freakiest people on earth? Do you like like guys that are two hundred and seventy pounds and have wingspans that are better than the Greek freak in basketball, but yet can like run like an NFL receiver? I mean, this is this is this is a Miles Garrett type of guy right here, Mike. This is a clearly the best edge pass rusher in the draft he's your guy that yes can lead the nfl in in sacks for a number of years but yes this one is um you know not only the size the film you know the specimen itself it all matches up to where you go yeah this is back to the days of he's got a miles garrett body but nick bosa coming out like definitely the first edge guy off the board i don't think that'll even be a shocker when a time comes here in 16 days it took me a few seconds to realize that someone's standing behind him with their arms out too and then i had this this moment of man, if you had four arms, you really would be a much more effective pass rusher. They can't block <laughs> this guy. He's, he's got hands. He he's does, got he's he got does, unbelievable hands. He, <laughs> he does all four of them. Uh, but yes, that is quite a wingspan for Tyree Wilson, and it does make him number one. And we did we we sat with him. Yes, the he's combine, great. Right? He was great. Yes, yeah. yeah. You know, we sat with him and Will Anderson. They were both awesome people. But yes, this is a guy that's. Again, th- these are rare. This is rare. This is a, you know, a Simeon Rice type of body. This is that kind of guy. This is, to me, this is every now and then this kind of pass rusher comes about. And it's he's got it all, Mike. Ben, great first step, you know, can just run you over. He plays hard. He runs through people, tackling them. I mean, he's, he's unblockable. He's a man against boys. And uh, I think that will continue in the NFL. You've got three guys on your tier two, Lucas Van Ness, Nolan Smith, and Will McDonald the fourth. Let's start with Van Ness. How does he end up at number two for you? He just he's, you know, the versatility of the player, right? Think about it like a JJ Wattish as far as the the type of player. I'm not gonna call him JJ Watt, but we're they're talking about a guy that's got some freaky attributes about him. I mean, he runs four or five and he's two hundred and seventy something pounds and his strength is off the charts when you watch him on film, Mike. This isn't maybe going to be your totally traditional lineup wide like a Miles Garrett in pass rush, right? It's going to be some of that. It's going to be in a 3-4 scheme. It's going to be a little bit like, hey, we want you to get right over the tackle and play head up, which was J.J. Watt was asked to do a lot, hold them, disengage, go either way. Oh, hey, this down, we need you a three technique on the four three scheme, and we want you to be a mismatch for, you know, a guard in the third. He can do a little bit of everything. He's a great athlete with insane play strength. You know, he's got pass rush intangibles with big time defensive tackle strength on the inside, Mike. So it's the versatility uh, of the player, let alone the physical talent and and, and the size of the player that you know, ultimately make him the the number two guy. One of those guys, though, that that won't have as many sacks as an edge rusher. Exactly right. Strictly on the outside, but you you look elsewhere for the impact. The F the play up. The F the play up. The unofficial. Exactly. Chris Sims. Right. F the play up. That's where he can come in handy. How about Nolan Smith? Uh, four three nine in the forty yard dash, second by defense, uh, second fastest. Excuse me, by a defensive lineman since two thousand three. Um. 
what 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 do you yeah. what do you think about him that caused him to be a number three on your list? Yeah, I think if you know you know think of the mold like uh, I like to throw out molds of players, right? Hassan Reddick, right? That's who we're talking about when when you're kind of talking about a Nolan Smith. That's what you'd hope he could be, you know, or maybe even a Von Miller. You know, that's the ultimate ceiling. We know how – I mean, Von Miller's going to the Hall of Fame. We know that. But I, what I mean by that is, like, this is the most explosive guy off the ball, off the edge. You know, the guy that can get down and turn the corner, Mike, like a speed skater, and you're like, damn, he's turning the corner, and his right shoulder's like a foot off the ground as he has a 300-pounder pushing him, and he's turning around the edge. So he has that type of body movement. He's a freak athlete, and as you see right here, this is why the Georgia guys are filming him because they've seen it, and they were like, man, Nolan's about to go, and he's going to run 4-3 because he's been beating our receivers and running backs in races for the last few years. Let's watch this. And he's a specimen. He is a true explosive specimen, Mike, that uh, has got some superstar qualities about him. All right, Will McDonald comes in at number four, bottom of your tier two, the Iowa State edge rusher. What'd you like about him? Yeah, this guy is like a football player. Maybe the like you talk about pound for pound, as strong as anybody you get in the draft, Mike. I mean, he he's playing defensive tackle in, in the good parts of games at two hundred and forty pounds, and he's dominating. But this is more of a Leonard Floyd, Leonard Floyd type, Mike. This is a guy that's going to be an awesome outside linebacker, defense to end. It's not necessarily always going to lend itself to leading the NFL in sacks, but just like Leonard Floyd last year, or most years, he's going to be right around 10 sacks, 9.5, 10.5, 8 sacks, with, while also being like one of the best edge run defenders in football, and then being incredible also in dropping back in coverage with athleticism and wingspan and all that. So you see the guy here. Uh, he's like a praying mantis on the football field and uh, quite, quite impressive. And really, Mike, high ceiling but very high floor. To me, that's where, you know, these top, these top like, top four guys, they're, they're all pretty safe as far as they got high ceilings, high floor. Nolan Smith is maybe the one guy because of the size that you go has a little lower floor than the rest of these guys so far. That's the key, though, the floor. What, what, what type of a risk are you taking? Exactly. Versus the reward, and the less the risk, the more, the more you can justify rolling the dice on maybe getting the high end, game changing, MVP caliber, at least defensive player of the year caliber type of a pass rusher. And that takes us to Will Anderson. That's the guy that a lot of people regard as the best of the bunch. You got him at number five, and and you know when you go against the grain of groupthink, you get called out. Sure. Uh, what 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 caused you to put Anderson behind the other four guys? I, I, listen, Mike, this is not like this is like this is easy. This is one of those where I I, I want to push back in a big way. I, I want to go. I don't know what you could have watched to ever think that this was the first pick of the draft. There's no way. There's no way. Like he's a good football player. There's no doubt. He has nothing that shows you that he is going to be a top tier pass rusher in football. He's just not that explosive. You know, he doesn't throw people around that way. He's a good football player. Don't get me wrong, Mike. We're talking about a guy that's certainly, you know, a first-rounder. I know that. But this is where earlier in our show, right, it's just the hype train. The number one, he's the number one recruit. He goes to Alabama. They're good. He's really good, right? And it just is, oh, so he's got to be the number one pick. 
And, you know, like, this is one where, again, I don't, I'm not like being cute or I'm got, this is not one where I feel like, ooh, you know, like, hey, I understand that a lot of people are going to like this guy and, uh, I'm just I don't love them and I'm a little different. This is this is one where I go no no you're gonna watch the film and go how do you think he's as good as any of those? I would be shocked if he doesn't fall, right? I would be shocked. And I know in my NFL world that I think my thought is closer to the reality as compared to NFL media world that all has him as the number one pick or the top three pick or all that. I've had enough people reach out to me why, already. Why do you think that disconnect is there? Why because, do you th- where does because that come the, from? Then? Because it's like it's it happens a lot. It's the it's the team. It's the hype around Alabama. He was SEC Player of the Year, and then his stats are really good, Mike. But like we always talk about stats and production, it's a, it's an overrated word. I want to see disruption. And, you know, elite physical traits. And I would question with people with Will Anderson. I just go, what is it that he does elite? It's not an elite first step. It's not elite bend. It's not elite power. He's not elite fast. So so that's the number one pick of the draft. You know, he's got sacks. But you watch sacks too, Mike. Again, not all sacks are created equal, right? I could show you sacks of some of the other guys like Tyree Wilson. And he's just unblockable. Guys, There's two guys on him. And he's like, oh, Will Anderson sacks more times than not or the quarterback held the ball for five seconds, nobody was open, and he got a sack. The quarterback got flushed out of the pocket by somebody else, he ran him down and got a sack. So, yeah, those are great stats, and we can all say production, but I I don't see that as translating to a big-time way in the NFL. I hate to talk about this in a negative way because he's a good player, but this is the jump-off spot, and this has become the group think guy, and I'm different here in that in that way. Well, and you know what? At some point, somebody needs to tell Will Anderson that you shouldn't listen. No, it's not fair. Media pundits, because there's a chance you are going to slide. Because, look, and that's the most important thing a good agent can do for a player in the draft pool is let him know where he's going to be drafted. What's your ceiling? What's your floor? What do you need to be ready for? You need to pierce through that as the age. You need to cut through the noise. And you don't rely on what the draft experts say. You rely on what the teams say. And, again, the teams are going to keep their mouths shut as long as they can because they want Wait. one team. All it takes is one team. Go ahead. Take Will Anderson. Push one of the other guys down to us because exactly. we don't want to take him. We want one of the well, other four guys. So yeah. they're going to keep their mouths shut as best they can. That's right. And, again, I, I want to make sure I'm clear here. This is a good football player. There's no doubt. But I just think it's crazy that he was ever thought as the number one pick or even put there. And it's not fair to him. It's a little like the Michael Mayer kid, the, the tight end from Notre Dame. Everybody just called him Gronk. And I want to go, this is not a fair expectation. It's, it's, it's not. It's, it's too high of an expectation. But, yes, you know, he's been thrown out there. And, Mike, let me just throw this out there, too, just to, to give myself a little credence here. Because as I'm going through my rankings on Saturday, right, and I'm done watching everybody, and now I'm going, okay, let me finalize – you know, and I'm, I'm going, oh, let me just go back and watch my top five, six guys again and get a feel, right? You know, I'm reading my report, and I'm going, I mean, man, I mean, this is just, it doesn't read that well. It's underwhelming when it comes to this. So I started to text friends around the league. You know, I got five or six guys that I always kind of text, just like, hey, you know, hey, you know, and I, I throw his name out there. Like, hey, am I missing something? Because I have in my notes a few times, like, like, Wait, am I – where did I write it? I got question marks where, like, wait, yeah, I said, am I missing something? I don't get it. He's got good strength. 
He's pretty quick, right? But I'm not like, wow. It's not wow top five special good. Speed to power is just okay. It's not wow good. Bend is good, but not wow. And I started to say that. And I got the sense that, like you're talking about, people were kind of like, yeah, we kind of feel the way you do, but we like the hype out there, so let it go. That's the way it goes, and we'll find out. We'll see. You're right. Where Will Anderson yeah. goes, along with everyone else, assuming they all go in round one. We'll see. There they are. When we return, there was development yesterday as it relates to the Washington Commanders that has created some very real speculation that a sale is coming possibly very soon. We'll discuss that when this Tuesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Commander's owner Daniel Snyder did something on Monday that he rarely does. He resolved a legal dispute short of fighting it out all the way to the finish. The District of Columbia had sued over a season ticket holder security deposit alleged scheme that involved the team keeping the money, not paying it back, making it harder and harder for the season ticket holders to get the money back after their time as season ticket holders ended. Now, the commander's deny all allegations of wrongdoing while they also agree to pay more than $625,000 to resolve the claim. I don't think it's unreasonable to look at what happened yesterday as just one of the boxes you check as you wrap up your business before you sell to a new owner. And this makes me even more convinced that Daniel Snyder is going to do that thing that we don't expect him to do, i.e. sell the team. He did on Monday a thing we wouldn't have expected him to do, i.e. resolve a lawsuit. I think that that is the clearest sign yet that it's happening, that this team is going to be sold. And if I had to guess which of the ownership groups, barring Jeff Bezos swooping in, and I think it may even be too late for that. Okay. If if this lawsuit was settled yesterday as part of the final cleanup post or pre-sale, post-sale, pre-sale, they know who we mean. Final cleanup pre-sale, I think they already got their buyer. And so which one? Who do you think it is? Bids a couple of weeks ago. I think it's Josh Harris. You that's know. the one that's real. Right. That's the one that reportedly is backed by sufficient money to get it done. And uh, I won't be surprised if it happens Soon that we become aware that he's the guy that they've reached the agreement in principle subject to all of the various approvals and the I dotting and T crossing that will happen in the in the next, what, four to six weeks, because they want to get it all buttoned up and done when the owners meet again in late May, right before Memorial Day weekend, so they can cast their ballots and approve the sale and Snyder will be out. It'll be a great Memorial Day weekend for Commanders fans because you're going to have three days to celebrate Ding Dong the Witch is Dead the way things are currently going. Yeah, it does. It seems like we're going that way. So it's cool. It is. It's always exciting. New ownership in the NFL, and especially exciting when. Yeah, let's let's be real. We look at a look at this is I look at this to be one of the more storied franchises in football, and they've fallen far from that. And they're no longer even close to that discussion. And it's just been one thing after another. So hopefully whoever the new ownership group is, they can kind of reestablish, you know, Washington on the on the on the scene of the hierarchy of the NFL once again. So it's good to see some of this get done. It seems like we're headed that way, Mike. All right. Uh and and, and look, there are plenty of other good owners out there that 
that <laughs> that wish that Dan Snyder would stick around forever because it makes it easier to compete. But it's bad for the league to have a guy like that. And it's bad for the league for them to not be pushing him out because they're afraid about a standard being created that would be used against them in the future. Some of them are. So regardless of that, I think they're getting to the good ending and the right spot. Let's take a break. We'll have our draft for this Tuesday edition of PFT Live when uh, we return right after this. You want to know why I was in right field? That's why I was in right field. Dead center, Paul Lynn, circle takes the square. Good Lord. Look at that hair. Look at Young that. Young Chris Farley. Put him in right field. Put him under right field. Put him on the other side of the fence. That poor kid. That's first grade. That's the year that the nun dug her fingernails into my arm. Look at that pathetic little kid. You can't dig your fingernails into his arm. Put him in right field. I love it. Yeah, you got little little some chubby cheeks working there, looking good, man. I like it. What? So wait, what grade? Chubby everything. What age is that? Chubby (laughs) everything. First grade. First grade, man. Who do you remember? Your teacher in first grade? Sister Margaret Regina. So you? Wow. She wasn't the one that I can't remember the name of the one that dug her nails. And I think that's blocked out by the PTSD. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. Right. Substitute teacher for a reason. All right. Uh, that was good. That, uh, oh boy, you know, I've made the mistake over the years of sharing certain family photos with Matt Casey, who uses them against me. He never gave me the Miranda warnings that anything I send him can and will be used against me. He just does it whenever he feels like it. All right. Today's draft, the best remaining free agents. There aren't many, no. but there are some. Yeah. Chris, I'll give you the first pick. Uh, I, you know, I mean, some of them, it's like when you look at the list and things I've written down, I'm like, wait, I'm, are we sure? I want to make sure he nobody's gotten him yet, right? The first guy, and I brought his name up a few minutes ago, but I'm going to throw him out there because I think he's a hell of a football player. I, and that is Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd's sitting out there, you know, top 10 pick. A huge staple of what the Rams did on defense the last few years, right? So I look at him and just go, I don't know what he's asking for. Obviously, probably asking for a lot of money, but man, edge guy, awesome against the run, drops in coverage like we talk about. He's awesome, you know, in just about every area. So that's one I look at. He had nine sacks last year. Uh, And like I said, it's more about, it's not all about sacks when it comes to him. So. Um, uh, he's the best one out there to me right now. Well, and Robert Quinn's out there too. Mm. And I mean, you know, I, there's a few, he's another one that, that we know the importance of good pass rushers. And I feel like at this point, teams are just waiting to see who they get in the draft. And I think there'll be a market for these guys. I think we'll see a rejuvenated free agent market after the draft when teams get or don't get guys they need, but I'll go Robert Quinn. Um, you know, and he, he's, I, I get, I get confused sometimes. I'm sorry. I'm old now, but he, he was traded to the Eagles, right? Yes, During he was. the season. Right. And just kind of disappeared, but he had 18 sacks. He set single season franchise record for the bears in 2021. So yeah. Uh, somebody I think is going to sign the guy and be happy with him in 2023. Yeah. I, I hear you there. I know it's, it's, there's definitely some guys out here that are, you know, worthy of talking about or like what is going on or why has this not happened yet and you know, I'm gonna throw Frank Clark out there Frank Clark you know again not a superstar pass rusher anymore but damn he's still a starting defensive end in the NFL who does everything you know pretty damn good of course was a big part of that Chiefs team and 
and helping them win some Super Bowls there. So here's a guy that, you know, to like you said, I think is more of let's see how the draft goes. Okay, wait, we didn't fill that position. All right, we'll spend a little more money than we maybe wanted to and get a guy like Frank Clark on the football team. You know, I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball too. Akeem Hicks is available. He is a a run-stopping, F-the-play-up type guy who has issues staying healthy, but he's only 33. I'm surprised the Buccaneers haven't brought him back yet, and maybe they're just waiting until after the draft. Again, this falls into the category of let's see who we can find in the draft, but it's not like disruptive, effective interior defensive linemen are widely and easily available. I'm surprised Hicks is still out there, Chris. Yeah, uh, Hicks is It's the same. It's, it's that older veteran player. He's got a little bit of an injury thing or history right now in his life as far as, you know, misses a game here and there. He's up there, and it's the price tag, the issue there. I think that's what it is more than anything. But, like, again, I think a lot of, like a lot of these guys, Mike, it's along the same lines of what you're talking about. It's going to be kind of like, hey, gauge, you know, what's out there. What can we do? Did we help ourselves in free and in the draft? Oh no, we didn't. Okay, we need a help there, and that's where he'll come in right before training camp, early training camp. You know, maybe the end of OTAs. But I hear you; he's still got a lot of value, you know, to a football team. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, okay. All right, one more offense or defense? We've gone all defense so far. There's like, there's not offensively like there's some old linemen out there. Right. Um, but gosh, there's just not a lot that you look at to where I go, wait, I want to draft him for this right now. You know, the next guy I want to go to, honestly, and he's he's a little bit of a risk, but it's Jadevion Clowney. I mean, Jadevion Clowney is still a force of nature on the edge. Now, yeah, what do you have to pay him and balance that with his age and, you know, a little bit of the injury history as well? But. You know, it's another edge guy that certainly is starting caliber in the NFL, and uh, it just seems like it's a matter of time before the price gets right and he gets on a football team. We've got some offensive free agents that are out there, not just Lyman. Julio Jones is available. Kareem Hunt is available. Now, the Browns reportedly don't want to bring him back because they think he's lost a step or two. Yeah. The guy led the NFL in rushing in 2017, which as NFL goes was a, a long time ago. I, I'm... I'm probably taking an unfair liberty. Okay. Because he's he's unofficially retired, although he really he really is a free agent and he could sign with any team. Oh, you're so you're so rated. this is just he's, you, he's, you, you can't come up and want to do these for the draft and then cheat the draft. Like you're you're cheat like what? I can't he's even a, believe is it. he not a free agent? He's, he's actually agent? retired. He fi- he si- he filed his no, retirement papers. He's a free agent. Do- those papers don't mean anything. They mean absolutely nothing. Well, damn, then nothing. I want to take He's it back. Agent. I want to take he can sign Peyton Manning. Too bad. Too bad. <laughs> uh, well, well, okay. I, but I don't think that Peyton Manning could show up and play at a high level today. Tom Brady could. Yes. Tom Brady would be. Tom Brady could step right in and be a starter somewhere. Not every team, but a lot of the teams. I mean, Cam Newton can say there aren't 32 better than me. It's damn certain that there aren't 32 better than Tom Brady. He could play effectively for someone this year, and I still think there's a chance he will. That's why I added him, because I still think there's a chance we're going to see Cheater. him again in 2023. Against the spirit of the, the rules of the draft. Right after this. Well, he's a cheater, too. Cheater picks a cheater. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> Welcome to the world, Cal Michael Gustafson. Our producer, Courtney, had an eight-pound... 
10 ounce baby boy on Monday. And uh, look at you talking about chubby, chubby cheeks on me. Look at that. I just like to grab those cheeks. Oh, yeah. Well, I know. I'm sure I'm sure Cal will have some annoying uncle or somebody like that that does it. I am the annoying uncle in my family that does that to my nephews. So uh, that's me. But wow. Congratulations to Courtney. What a cute baby. And uh, glad she got she got it done, man. The last month has been hard on Courtney. I can't imagine, you know, working pregnant dealing with all that so i'm sure she's relieved as well up until friday right she worked friday grinder all right congratulations courtney way to go court have a great day the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.